How do you see life? Do you say that life's a dance or do you say that life is like a game of cards and you have to play the hand you're dealt? Do you say maybe um, that life is kind of like a minefield? Some of you might say that life's kind of like cable television that considering what it costs you, you don't get a whole lot out of it. Um, But we all have either a spoken or unspoken kind of image for life, a life metaphor, if you will. I, as I was thinking about this, um, how it applied to myself, I realized that my life metaphor that I commonly use is that life is like a roller coaster. Um, because I think that life kind of has ups and downs. and So that's what I would typically say if someone said, what is life like? Um, but how you see life shapes your life. And so I want to challenge you to think about how you view life. What, if I said to you, you know, life is like blank, what, what comes to mind for you? What do you think of that, that is your life metaphor, your, your image that comes to mind? Um, and it might be that you say life is... Life's a dance, um, or life's, you know, a, a war. Whatever it is that you say it is, that's going to sort of shape your values and shape your expectations from life, what your priorities are. Um, it's going to determine, really, what you expect from life, but... I want, to, I want to challenge you to think about the fact that you might be basing life on a faulty metaphor, on one that isn't based on Scripture. And we want to base everything that we believe on the Word of God, period. This book right here is the truth, the Word of God. It's all true, 100%. And so if we're basing our lives on something that isn't from that book, then we are headed down a wrong path. Um, If you are going to fulfill the purposes for which God created you, you need to view life in the way that God says we should view life. And from Scripture, I can see three metaphors for this life, and I'm going to talk about them today, and we're going to look at them through the life of Stephen. The story that you just heard uh, as we worshiped was the story of Stephen, and I'll be referring to that story out of Acts chapter 7. But if our life metaphor, if the image that comes to mind of what life is like doesn't match up with what the scriptures say, then we need to change our thinking. Romans 12, 2 says, Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. If you want to know God's will for you, then you need to change the way you think. Your thinking needs to come into line with 
God's wisdom as he's revealed to us through the word. If you would like a Bible, by the way, we have Bibles for you. You can slip your hand up and um, we'll get one to you and that's our gift to you to take home. But the three metaphors that we're going to talk about that come, that I see throughout Scripture are that life is a test, number one. Um, That life is a trust, number two. And that life is a temporary assignment, number three. So we're going to see that in this story of Stephen. First of all, I want to talk about the fact that life is a test. It's easy to see this. When you look at Scripture from the beginning all the way through, it's easy to see this. Adam and Eve didn't do too well with their test, right? They failed their test. And um, God had told them, you can eat of any tree in the whole garden except for this one. And they failed. It seemed like it was a pretty straightforward test. And they failed it anyways. But we would have failed if we'd been in their shoes or moccasins or whatever it was that they were wearing. Um, Then we see Abraham, this man named Abraham. And he was tested by God. And God started out testing him by saying, look, I want you to leave your homeland and your family and everything that you know, everything that you're familiar with. I want you to go to this place that you know nothing about. In fact, you don't even know where I'm taking you. I just want you to leave and head this way and I'll show you where you're going to settle. And, and he passed. He, he did that. He actually, he left his homeland. He left his family. And then he was tested again later when God said, look, I want your only son, Isaac. And that was a test and he winds up passing that test. And then we see um, in the story of the flood, Noah, God asks Noah, he says, look, I want you to build a giant boat, basically a cruise ship for animals. And I want it to be in your yard because in a hundred years, I'm going to flood the earth. So Noah takes this hundred year span to build this massive boat in his yard. He is obviously going to be, you know, ridiculed. He's going to be called crazy Noah, the guy who's building a, a giant boat in his yard. But he passes the test. Then we see other people who fail tests. We see King David who fails the test to stay faithful to his wife. He commits adultery with his good friend's wife. And then he has him killed. We see um, David also passing several tests. We see Moses being tested and passing some and failing some. We see in the New Testament a man by the name of Peter who failed some tests pretty miserably um, as, as his leader, Jesus, gets arrested and he's, um, he denies Jesus, denies that he even knows him. And so he fails pretty miserably. But we see this theme all throughout Scripture. And we see this with Stephen as well. At the beginning of that story that you heard this morning, what's happened first is that we talked about this last week in Acts chapter 6. Stephen is given some responsibility, some leadership in the church. They, they appointed him, kind of, he's the first man, it says, that was appointed kind of as the head over this ministry to the widows. He's full of the spirit and of wisdom, and he's a faithful guy, and it seems that he handles that pretty well. And so uh, he's given more influence. The Bible says that God is starting to do miracles and signs and wonders through, through him. And so he's, he's gaining an influence, and that's because he is passing tests, right? He's, he's, he's getting these tests, and he's passing And then uh, some people decide to stand up against him and argue with him. And it says that they can't even stand against the wisdom and the spirit with which he spoke. Test passed. Right? 
So they're arguing with him, and he, he, he's passing the test. Then it says another group stands up against him, and they just decide to start spreading lies about him, slandering him. And he passes the test. It says that even as they're lying about him, slandering him, that they look at him, and he has a face like an angel. He's complete peace. He is depending upon God in that moment. He's passing the test. Then they put him on trial. They say, look, okay, defend yourself then against all these accusations that are being brought against you. And when he's put on trial, he's put on the stage. He's got this opportunity. He's got, he, he knows that his life's at stake. And he has this opportunity to defend himself and to say, no, 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 the stuff that they're saying about me is not true. He actually stands up there and instead he starts to preach the gospel beginning with the very beginning of the history of Israel and all the way through, he, start, he, he tells this incredible story and he uses this stage, this opportunity to speak the word of God instead of to defend himself. Test passed. Stephen's doing awesome, right? He is all the way through passing tests. And here's the deal with tests. Tests are for our good. Tests do two things. They reveal our character and they deepen our character. And we all go through tests constantly. You're probably in one right now, a big one. Either you're in a big one right now, you just finished going through a big one, or you're about to go into a big one. Uh, Yeah, yay. But you know what? Tests are for our good. And, and life is full of tests. Life is a test. And, and there's little tests all throughout our days. I mean, things that we don't even acknowledge. We don't even stop and think about the fact that that was a test, right? You're, you're, not, you, you just, you just going, you're going about your business and, and uh, or you're driving down the road in the winter and your car slides into a ditch. It's a test. How are you going to handle it? Are you going to... Are you going to lose it or are you going to trust God? Or you're trying to cook dinner and the power goes out. Or you're trying to take a shower, even worse, and the power goes out. Or, you know, somebody completely loses it with you and, and you don't, out of nowhere, and you didn't do anything to them and they're yelling at you, test passed. Or you're trying to preach and your daughter is talking the whole time really being really cute and trying to distract you. Um, <laughs> all of life is a test. It says in 1 Corinthians ten thirteen, the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. So, God knows what you can handle. He will not give you more than that. It might feel like you've got more than you can handle. He will not give you more than you can handle, period. He will not. With the tests that you are experiencing, your character is being revealed, your character is being deepened. Sometimes you blow it. Sometimes you fail tests miserably. It reveals your character. One time, I'll tell you about a story where I 
my character was revealed. I um, was having a I was having a stressful day, and um, we we have to take our garbage down to this dumpster in our neighborhood, and so the family I don't remember where we were all going, but we were going somewhere. Snow on the ground slash ice in the driveway, and uh, we're load we load the family up in the car, and I'm carrying the trash bag, and I don't, nothing no no warning signs that I was aware of. I'm just walking to the the, fa- the whole family's in the Jeep, okay? You have to see this. They're all watching out the front windshield. I'm walking across the front, and my foot, and I hit the ground in the snow, and I'm, you know, ice all over me and stuff. And I get up, and I take the trash bag, and I throw it across the driveway, and it, you know, makes this big mess. And afterwards, I'm like, why did I do that, you know? And I got to go pick up the trash bag, and my wife's sitting in the front seat like, okay, you know, real mature. And, and so I go and I, I get the trash and I, I come, I sit down in the Jeep and I'm like, oh, what? I don't know what, what I'm doing. What was that? You know, and it, and it caused me to stop and to, to think about some things. Like what just caused that? That didn't come out of nowhere. There was something deeper there that caused that kind of a reaction. So my character was revealed do that little bitty test. I slipped on some snow. Little bitty test. But my character was revealed, and I actually made some changes because of that, because of what I saw come out of me. Little tests even can reveal our character to us. So you don't know what ways you're going to be tested, but you can be sure that you will be tested in a lot of different ways, in, in unanswered prayers or in seemingly just... Um, in, in just tragedies that come along or in, in things that you're having to wait for patiently that you don't know why you're having to wait so long for this thing, you can be sure that there are going to be many ways that you will be tested. When you realize this, when you realize that tests are an opportunity for your character to be deepened, what, what we are meaning when we say that is that your character is becoming more Christ-like. You are becoming more like Jesus. God is concerned with that because when you leave this earth, you take your character with you. So there are temporary tests that you're going through that will affect eternity. And when you realize this, that tests are an opportunity for you to go deeper in your character, for you to become more like Jesus, then all of a sudden there are no unimportant days. There, there are no insignificant slips on the ice. It, now all of a sudden, the power goes out and it's a chance to grow. And it, and it, and it brings to light, like, the, none of this is unimportant. None of life is insignificant. I'm preparing for eternity. I'm being molded to become more like Jesus. It says... In James chapter 1, verse 12, God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love Him. So testing is connected to rewards if you pass them in heaven. I didn't get a reward for throwing the trash. When we pass tests, there are rewards connected to that in eternity. 
Secondly, life is a trust. We've talked about this before. We've talked about, um, in November, we did a, a series about stewardship. We talked about the fact that we aren't actually owners of anything. Um, that we actually are borrowing everything that we have for a short period of time. God owns everything, and He just loans it to us. And that when we die, um, He'll loan it to someone else. We don't take it with us. All that we have belongs to Him. He is the owner of everything. It says, Psalm 24, 1, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to Him. So when I say that everything you have is the Lord's, I mean literally everything, every breath in your lungs is a gift from God. Every moment that you have, every hour, every day, every week is a gift from the Lord. Whatever money you have is God's. Whatever resources are at your disposal are His. The talents that you have, the gifts that you have to offer are the Lord's. Everything you have literally belongs to God, but He's allowed us to be stewards. He's entrusted things to us. Life is a trust. He has given you certain abilities and ways that you can help other people. He has given you a certain amount of influence. You all have influence to some degree. If you're a parent, you have a ton of influence over your kids. If you are an employer, you have a ton of influence over employees. If you are an employee, you have a ton of influence over your peers, your co-workers. No matter who you are, you have influence, people that you can impact, right? And God has entrusted you with a certain amount of influence for His glory, for the kingdom of God. There's a story in the Bible that Jesus tells a parable about the kingdom of God. And he says, the kingdom of God is, is like this. And he tells about this, this man who gives money to three servants and he goes out of town and he says, hey, you guys take this and invest it and I'll be back. And when he comes back, the short of the story is that two of the servants took that money a certain amount given to each. They took that, that, they invested it, and they made money back for their boss. One of the servants was afraid of their boss. They were afraid that they might fail. So they took what their boss had given them, and he, and he hid it. And when his boss came back, he says, I didn't, I didn't earn you any money, but I didn't lose it either, so here it is. And the boss is really happy with the two that invested the money and earned more for him. And he's really unhappy with the one who just hid the money away and didn't earn anything back. And that's what the kingdom of God is like. God has given us, entrusted certain things to us in order to invest for kingdom purposes, for the kingdom of God to advance. The talents that you have are for His purposes. The resources that you have are for His purposes. The time that you have on this earth is for Him. 
the influence that you have is for him. Life is a trust, and we see that in this story with Stephen. Stephen, the big thing that I'm really impressed with in this story with Stephen is how, the, how well he knew God's word. I don't know if you caught how long his sermon was, and I think this is just a summary of it. But this is a long, he tells the whole history of Israel, basically, by memory. He's standing there, and he just, by memory, tells the whole history of Israel in an incredible way. And I think, well, you know, what we're seeing here is the result of a man who was really faithful, who was a really good steward of the Word of God. Right? He didn't just leave the gathering on Sunday and go home and set it down on the table and pick it back up the next Sunday when it was time to go to the gathering. Right? He was reading the Word of God. He was internalizing it. He, was, he had it in him so that when he had the opportunity, when he had the stage, he uses what he has been such a good steward of, what he has internalized, and he shares God's Word with all these people. It says in 1 Corinthians 4, 7, What do you have that God hasn't given you? And if everything you have is from God, why boast as though it were not a gift? See, if you are a Christian, if you are a follower of Jesus, you have been given something far greater than money or material possessions. You have been entrusted with the good news about Jesus, the gospel. There is nothing bigger that you have been entrusted with than this good news. And so, what I want to ask is, how are you handling what you've been entrusted with? Are you sharing that or are you hoarding it? Are you investing it for kingdom purposes or are you hoarding it? In 1 Corinthians 4, 2, Paul, speaking of the mystery of the gospel, says, Now it is required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. It's required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. If you are a follower of Jesus, you have been entrusted with the gospel, the good news the medicine that everyone needs, right? And so you have a responsibility to be a good steward of that. This book, this book is life. And I, and I just want to encourage us to think about what a privilege it is to have access to the Word of God. There are millions of people all over the world who would love to have a copy of the Bible. They would, they would love a copy of the Bible. They would love just one of the books of the Bible. And we have this entire book. Some of us have several copies in our houses. And they just sit on a table all week. If that's the case, what a shame. I'm not saying shame on you. I'm saying 
I'm saying what a shame that we wouldn't take advantage of what of this incredible blessing. I mean, it is it is such a privilege to have this book, to have access to the words of God, to be able to open it up and know God through Jesus revealed in this book. Jesus said that this book testifies about him. We can know God through Jesus' Son, through this book. So, I just want to encourage us to be a good steward of that. Jesus said that people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Matthew 4.4. 4. We literally live on these words. These words are our sustenance. So, life is a test. Life is a trust. And thirdly, life is a temporary assignment. Life is a temporary assignment. Look at how this whole story with Stephen goes down in the end. In verses like 54 through 60 here, he's, he's facing his last moments on earth, right? And he knows what's coming. He knows that they are putting him on trial to be stoned. He knows that he has this one last chance to defend himself, to stop this from happening. And it says in verse 56 that he sees, verse 55, Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed steadily into heaven and saw the glory of God, and he saw Jesus standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. He sees Jesus standing. Do you think there was any doubt in Stephen's mind that life is a temporary assignment at that moment? Not at all. Not at all. He, here he is. He has one last chance to save himself, to defend himself. And he is concerned with sharing the gospel. He's concerned with these people who are putting him on trial to be stoned. He looks up and he sees Jesus standing in the place of honor. And you know, this is, it's not said explicitly here, but I think, this is my, my guess, I think Jesus was standing in honor of Stephen. I think in honor of Stephen's faithfulness in these last moments. I think he was standing in honor of a saint who was going out faithfully. And so he sees Jesus there, and there's no question for Stephen that life is a temporary assignment. And so rather than trying to save himself in these last moments, he is still preaching the gospel. Psalm 119.19 says, I am only a foreigner in the land. Don't hide your commands from me. Life on this earth is temporary. It's temporary. And this is not home. If you're a Christian, when you die, you don't leave home. You go home. You go home. This is a temporary assignment. And it's very, very short when you compare it to eternity. When you compare 80 or 90 or even 100 years to eternity, it's a blip. 
It's a tiny dot. Eternity, infinite number of years. You cannot even compare a full life on this earth to that. But when we're in it, we forget that. We lose sight of the fact that we were made to live for eternity with God and that what happens here is preparing us for there. But when we have that perspective, it's going to change the way we live in the same way that it changed the way that Stephen reacted in this situation. 1 Peter 1.17 says, So you must live in reverent fear of God during your time as foreigners in the land. You're, you're a foreigner in this land. You, you don't belong here. And it's so important to keep that perspective because James 4.4 4 says, Don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again, if you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. That's, that's crazy to think about. That many Christians have believed this lie that because this is where we live here and now, that this is our home. And when you believe that lie, what happens is you begin to serve this world and not God. And Jesus said you can't serve two masters. You can can only serve one. You can only serve one master and you cannot serve this world and God. You cannot serve money and God. You cannot serve reputation and God. You cannot serve success and God. You cannot serve comfort and God. And God, you can only serve one master. And so what happens is we betray our true homeland and we start living like this is home. When the reality is we're supposed to be like ambassadors in a foreign land, representing our true king, Jesus, right? We're here as ambassadors, foreigners in this in this land. This is not home. This is not forever. This is short, temporary. We have an important role to play while we are here. We are ambassadors, representatives of Jesus. It says in 1 Peter 2:11, "Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls." That's what's at stake. Is your soul. And the the desires that this world produces wage war against your soul. There's an old Puritan who said, Be killing sin, or sin will be killing you. Sin destroys us, it destroys our souls. And the desires of this world destroy our souls. And so when we realize this is all temporary, it's it helps to just shake it off. It, I, this morning I was reading in Colossians 3, it says, to set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth, not on things below. But if, it says, if you have been raised with Christ, then set your mind on the things that are above where He is. So we set our minds on the things that we cannot see. And that's the hard part about this. Is you can see money, you can see your friends, you can see 
the fun time this weekend or whatever it is that you might be tempted to live for. And they're not necessarily even all sinful things. You might just be living for, you know, having a good time and it's not even wrong what you're... The thing in and of itself is not wrong. But if it comes before God, it suddenly is sin, right? I could, I could be living for exercise. Exercise isn't wrong in and of itself, but if that's what I'm living for, then all of a sudden it becomes sin. Food isn't wrong in and of itself, but if every time I need comfort, I turn to it instead of God, then it becomes sin. There are any number of things. If you, if you live for it, can become wrong if God is not first. 2 Corinthians 4.18 says, We fix our gaze on the things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. The things we can't see will last forever. So we are in the middle of a temporary assignment. I skipped over 1 Corinthians 7.31. It says, Those who use the things of the world should not become attached to them, for this world will soon pass away. So it's okay to use the things of the world when you use them correctly. You need to use money. But don't worship it. Use it wisely. Don't get attached to it. Right? Use food. You need food. You've got to have it. But don't be, don't worship it. Don't. So use the things of this world knowing that they are going to soon pass away. All right. Here's the deal. We're never going to be fulfilled this side of eternity because we were made for heaven. We're always going to be longing for another place because we weren't made for here. So you're never going to experience a complete, total fulfillment until you're there. And that, when you feel that, that should remind you that, oh yeah, this is a temporary assignment. This isn't forever. This isn't permanent. I'm going to face troubles. I'm going to face trials. I'm going to go through tests. I've been entrusted with what I have. This is temporary. We should pray, I think, with David. And David King David prayed in Psalm 39.4, Lord, remind me of how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered and that my life is fleeing away. I think we should pray that with him. I think we need to ask the Lord to remind us how brief our time is here and that what we do affects eternity. So here's um, the application with this. I just, I think there's a mindset shift that needs to happen. If, if you realize that you've been kind of basing life on a faulty metaphor, you know, life is a roller coaster or life's a dance or life's a deck of game of cards or whatever you might be thinking that life is let's look at scripture let's let god change our thinking let's make sure that what we're thinking lines up with the word of god and that way what we value and what what we place as priorities and what we expect and how we use our relationships all will start to be the way that god wants us wants it to be so so here, I have a few questions for you. How are you being tested right now? Just think about it real quick. How are you being tested right now? And then along with that, how are you handling that 
test? And, and what could you do differently to handle that test better? What could be, what could be done differently in your life? How, how could you handle these tests? Maybe, this, maybe you're going through something really big right now. Maybe, you, maybe it's consuming your life. It's all you can think about the test that you're in right now. How can you handle that test in a way that you will be faithful, that you can, you can depend more on God, not push yourself away from Him? The goal of tests is to deepen our character, for our faith to become strengthened. In James chapter 1, he says to consider it joy when we go through different kinds of tests, trials. Because it's an opportunity to grow in our faith. So, how are you handling that? And what would it look like for you to depend more on God in the midst of this test? How could you handle this test that you're in right now better? And now I want you to think about what God has entrusted to you. Life is a trust. What has He entrusted to you? What, what about your circle of influence? Who do you have influence over? Who, who can you encourage? Who can you bring closer to the Lord? Who can you share the gospel with? Think about that God has entrusted you with a certain circle of influence. And then what else have you been entrusted with? Time, days, talents, resources. My question is, how are you stewarding what God has temporarily entrusted to you. And then finally, are you, keeping, are you keeping it in the forefront of your thinking that this is temporary? That life's a temporary assignment, that it's a blip in light of eternity? That we're going to blink? The Bible says that, it's, that this life is like a a vapor that you see and then it vanishes, it's gone? Are you keeping that mindset or are you becoming a friend of the world and therefore an enemy of God? Are you keeping it in the forefront of your mind that this is all passing away? I'm just using this stuff temporarily and I want to use it in a way that glorifies God that's investing into the kingdom in order to bring fruit out. Life is a test, life is a trust, and life is a temporary assignment. What would it look like if we started to use the things that God's given us for His kingdom, for His glory? What, it would, what would it look like if we did that as a church? I'm talking about all of us. Can you imagine the impact? If we all just said, you know what? All of our resources, all of our time, all of our energy, all of our talents, they're for God's glory and for His kingdom. You know, it's, it's a little bit of impact if one person does it, but when a whole church gets it, that's, that's movement stuff. I pray that we get it. Let's, let's pray right now. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the example of the life of Stephen. That he was so faithful and that we, um, we know that he couldn't have been without your grace. 
that ultimately you get the credit for the life that you live. Um, God, we, we, we ask that you would help us to keep a right perspective. We ask that you would help us to, um, to keep in mind that life is short. It's temporary. God, we ask that you would help us to keep in mind that the things that we might think of as ours are really not ours, that we are a steward of whatever we have. It's yours. You own everything and everyone. Lord, I pray that you would help us through whatever tests we're going through right now, that we would be faithful, that we would keep in mind that our character can be deepened in this trial, that we can become more like Jesus in whatever we're going through right now. And I pray that we would recognize the little tests as well and be faithful in those. That ultimately you would get a ton of glory from us and that your kingdom would expand, that the gospel would go forth and bear fruit and that many more would come to know you and that Jesus would be lifted up and magnified in this valley. We ask it in his name. Amen.